Hey girl, how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. I feel like it's, has it been, has it been a year? Like, was it last year that we had? I think it's like almost been a year since we got together for lunch that time in so, Rockland. Hello. Uh, my name is Stacy Tyrrell, and this is Changed for the Better, The Power of Arts in Education, Episode 24. I'm Stacy Tyrrell, a high school performing arts teacher for over 25 years. I've taught a lot of amazing people. Now that so many of my students are adults, they'll teach me how, through the lessons in my classroom, they have been changed for the better. 24. 24. It's a, a lot of episodes. It is a lot of episodes. I'm excited. I love what you're doing here. I think it's awesome. It's fun. Throughout my many years of teaching, I have been very lucky to have all sorts of kids gravitate towards my world, my inner circle. Some become my go-to kids, those that come back year after year, they want more and more, and they naturally develop into the leaders of the activities that I advise through dance or thespians. They are the strong personalities. They're the talents and the visionaries who eventually become officers, dance captains, crew leaders. They are the liaisons between the adults and the students to help keep things running very smoothly. Those are the kids that provide guidance both to myself and to their peers. They give me that occasional like heads up, this is coming your way <laughs> kind of thing. That happens a lot. And then just the extra sets of eyes and brains and ears that help me to guide the activities. So the young woman that is right here before us is a graduate of 2010, same year as Alex Domini, who was episode 20. She was one of those go-to kids. And from her freshman year, she took advantage of the dance classes and the theater opportunities, anything that she could, exploring every aspect of performing arts, both on stage and off. She loved to sing and dance in the musicals, like that was her bag. But she also loved the aspect of tech crew and production. And she got the gamut of experience. So like she did the singing and she learned how to tap dance and she focused lights and built sets and painted. And she was a crew ninja, you know, moving the sets back and forth in the dark. She did it all. She was also a stage manager in her senior year, calling cues up in the booth and kind of running the whole show. That also made her a perfect candidate to take on the leadership responsibility of vice president of our executive board, which is like one of those highly coveted positions amongst the thespians. And then aside from all the thespian stuff, she also loved to be engaged in her school community. So I taught her in the dance class for all four years. Uh, and then she performed in all the dance concerts. But then she also took advantage of so many of the other sport and club activities. She was on the swim team, dance club, of course, thespians, model UN, forensic speech club and key club, basically anything that was offered to that she could fit into her after school schedule she took advantage of. And being so strongly engaged in these activities really helped her to navigate her tumultuous adolescent experience, which I'm sure she'll talk about on her own. And then after high school, she went to CW Post University in Long Island, New York. First, 
she was thinking, I'm going to pursue that like arts management track, but then she switched over to accounting. And so now after she graduated in 2015, she got right to work. She accepted all sorts of different positions before she landed at Dashlane as a financial accountant. So now we're going to sort of put the spotlight on you and get you to start talking about some of this stuff. So we'll start easy. First, tell everybody your name, remind us of the year you graduated, and just talk a little bit more about what you do now. All right. Um, my name is Elia Shavrova. I graduated from Spring Valley High School in 2010. Uh, right now, as Tiro said, I am a financial accountant at a company called Dashlane. The company itself is a software app. It's a password manager and it does like a bunch of other things uh, that protect your online identity. If you want more information about that, you can always reach out to me and I can provide that to you. I'll put that uh, in the blog. Yeah, definitely. That would be great. Yeah. So, you know, I consider myself pretty instrumental to my accounting team at work. It's a pretty small team. When I first joined, it was just me and the controller and I was doing the work for our three subsidiaries. We have uh, one in New York, one in Lisbon, Portugal, and one in Paris, France. I helped sort of build out the processes that we have currently. And I was recently promoted to senior staff accountant just a few months ago. It's been really good compared to some of my previous jobs. It's definitely a place where I feel uh, very valued and I feel like I can make an impact and I feel like I'm always being challenged. I'm always learning and I'm always growing. I really feel that that's really great for me and where I am in life right now. So I'm very happy with my work and the life that I've created for myself since I've graduated from high school. Excellent. I love to hear when things are sort of going in the right direction for people and they feel settled could not not everybody feels quite that settled especially in their late 20s it's like uh where am i going what am i doing and you seem to have your your stuff kind of put together yeah i mean there's a sense of yes i I am pretty settled and i feel comfortable uh, in the life that i've created for myself but there's also a sense of being very unsettled at the same time because you never know what's going to happen next. You don't know where your life is going to go. And sometimes you don't even know where you want your life to go. There's always that sense of surprises are still going to come to me. And my life still has so much unfolding to do. So while I feel comfortable, I still feel anxious for what's to come next. All of that is true. And I will tell you at all phases in your life, we are never truly prepared for everything that's going to get thrown our way. And some things are small, some things are giant earth shattering, changing things. But I think when we can set ourselves up to be in a good stable place to start, then anything that comes our way, we have the cushion to manage that and make the decisions that we need to make in order to withstand those stresses and those, those unexpected things. I think you're doing okay. And I call that like having strong roots, kind of like a tree. (laughs) And I have, I have this like big tattoo of a tree on my back and it means a lot of things to me, but the thing it means the most is trees are very strong organisms, right? They have these like very strong roots, roots that are capable of ripping through cement. You know, I'm sure we've seen that, you know, trees falling over and cement just flying up and they're always constantly changing. You know, they go through all these seasons, they lose their leaves, they grow back, they grow flowers, they fall down. Like there's, they're constantly changing and they're constantly growing. But the one thing that remains the same is that their roots remain strong in the ground. And I think that that's like a person's 
moral compass, who they are at the core of themselves, I believe is like the, the root of the tree. And that's what helps it weather all of those changes and continue to grow through all of the things that can happen in life. That's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Um, so we know where you are now. Let's figure out how you got here. Using your adult brain, let's start by describing your adolescent self. As a teenager, I was very emotional mm-hmm. and just kind of like all over the place. <laughs> I think I think maybe from an outside perspective, it might have looked like, you know, I was this high achieving student and I was involved in all of these activities and, you know, I really knew where I wanted to go, what I wanted out of life. But on the inside, I was very insecure, very sensitive, very emotional. I always had all these thoughts in my head, like, am I doing this right? Am I going to mess this up? Does this person like me? I think what is very normal and typical of a teenage experience is growing and and not really feeling like you're right within your body and within your mind. You know, you're not settled. All these things are happening around you. You're having your first love, you're having fights with your friends, you're meeting new friends, you're having all these new experiences. And, you know, it sort of lends itself to be tumultuous. I had a pretty chaotic experience as a teenager, but I was also like a very warm and caring person. And I still am. I really cared about my friends. I really cared about thespians. I really cared about doing well in school, my swim team and being a good leader on the team. So there's that kind of like yin and yang of all this stuff going on in my head. And then all of this great character development that I was letting myself have by being so open to all of these new experiences and trying new things and letting myself explore the things that I was passionate about or thought that I was passionate about and had interest in. Did you feel like you used some of these as like distractions to the stuff that you were dealing with personally? Yeah, I would say like, I was involved in like almost every single club that I could get my hands on. And that was for the purpose of like spending the least amount of time at home as I could. And I know that that sounds, you know, not great. I was raised by my grandparents. There was a huge generational gap between us. And not only was there a generational gap, there was a culture gap. Mm. You know, being a young girl growing up in the suburbs of America is very different than being a young girl growing up in Soviet Russia, where my grandparents are from and the experience that they had. So I I felt like it was always like a tug and pull, you know, like I, I really wanted to embrace this like American culture. I wanted to be with my friends all the time. I wanted to see what their family dynamics were like. And at the same time I was trying to push away (laughs) any semblance of my home life and my my cultural experience not necessarily my culture because I think I was actually very proud of being Russian and sort of like being different than the kids that I was around you know most of my friends were American born in America (laughs) I did use that as a way to sort of ignore or push away the things that I really wasn't trying to feel very deeply or explore too much. Really, I think I was just immature and didn't know how to handle the life that I was living with my friends in school and the life that I had at home with my grandparents and my family. Right, right, right. Adolescents are processing so many things just naturally, you know, with all the brain developments they're dealing with. And then when you have life altering circumstances that are completely out of your control, it's like, I'm going to grasp onto whatever I can (laughs) to like feel 
rooted and grounded and okay. We just want to all feel okay. All of those activities that I was in and all the time that I was spending with my friends really did make me feel rooted in myself. Those things made me very happy. They brought me a lot of joy and um, they were very effective at (laughs) helping me ignore those things that I didn't want to pay attention to. What was something or some things that happened in the dance studio, in rehearsals and dance classes that helped you to manage or to regulate that adolescent part of yourself? A lot happened in the classroom, in the studio that really made me feel at home. You know, you you created such a space that was so welcoming and so friendly that just being there, being a student of yours without any of the thespians or any of the additional things, it just was a very comfortable place to be where you could use your body and be creative. Because I'm, I'm not like a creative person, like I can't like write very well, or um, I don't draw, you know, I'm not artistic. I'm artistic with my body though. I was always a very good dancer. I felt my confidence grow in that classroom. I felt my confidence grow in that studio. And the further along I got in your dance classes and the further along I got in thespians, the more I was able to take on those leadership roles in thespians and be sort of like a senior member of the club where you have the the younger kids sort of looking up to you, asking questions. That really helped me develop my confidence And not confidence in everything, but confidence in that specifically. Like I knew if there's one thing I'm good at, I'm good at being in thespians. I'm good at being in this dance class. I'm doing the right things here. And that helped me guide myself through the chaos of being an adolescent, being a teenager. And I think that what's important to remember is that, you know, you're not going to be really great at everything. Right. And that process that, that you went through of like trying all these different things to discover what it was that you were good at, that you liked, that you didn't like, those are those confidence building activities that then you can start, you know, moving up the ladder. So it was, whether it was, you know, captain of the swim team or leadership in thespians, you need to have those basic fundamental experiences to build on. And then you really, really hone in on what it is that I'm good at. Am I good at a leader? What kind of leader am I going to be? What are these activities that I can prove to everybody and to myself that this is what I'm good at and that I can help you to become better at it as well? You know, in the studio, you you gave a lot of really great positive reinforcement. Mm. And I think that that had a lot to do with it. You had someone saying, you're doing that correctly. You're doing that well. You're excelling in in these areas or you need to improve in these and this is how you can do it. And so having that guidance from an adult who isn't your parent um, was very, very, very valuable for me. And then I think that's why arts teachers in general are so important because they get into a branch of learning and a branch of humanity that doesn't really get covered in academics. Mm -hmm. So I think part of why I'm doing this, other than to give real life examples for younger people, is almost to bolster, you know, this is why we need the arts in schools. There are great teachers in every subject area, but it doesn't cover those like self-building aspects of kids and give them really practical experience and work experience in these environments. Yeah. And I think, you know, with academics, 
aside from like maybe English, there's always a right and a wrong answer. There's always only so many ways that you can get to that right or wrong answer. Whereas the arts, there is no right answer. <laughs> there's maybe no answer at all. And there's so many ways to get there. There's so many things that you can do. And there's so many different ways that you can think in that you really don't get when you're doing math or science or something like that is extremely vital to someone's brain development and how they see the world and how they process information in general. Because you can be an academic and you can read a book and see one thing and you can be an artist and read a book and see a completely different thing. So I think having that exposure, especially for children, is very, very important to help them be better rounded people in general. Agreed. <laughs> I bet. What are some of the lessons that you've extracted from those experiences specifically that you might think about or use today as an adult? I was very, very involved in thespians Mm -hmm. from the time that I was a freshman. And I had had my eyes on thespians since before I even entered high school. I all, I knew all about it. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you, do you remember Alexis or video? I'm sure, I'm sure. Yes. I think she had already graduated by the time I had entered freshman year, but she had a younger sister, Tyler. Mm -hmm. And Tyler and I met in middle school. And one time we were hanging out at her house with her sister and they were talking about thespians and the things that they were doing. And I was like, oh, like, what are you guys talking about? And Tyler was like, oh, like you wouldn't be interested in it. It's thespians. Like, that's not something that you would want to do. And I was like, what? (laughs) Why are you saying that to me? Like, what do you know that I don't know about thespians? And she like went on to explain what thespians is. And I was like, oh, actually like this sounds like right up my alley. Like, I love that. And she was like, no, like it's a lot of hard work. Like you probably wouldn't like that. And I was like, I'll show you. (laughs) So I went into high school knowing everything about thespians that I could find out from Alexa and from Tyler. And I was dead set on joining. And I also, I was on the swim team with Jacqueline Henderson. So she was, you know, feeding me information about it as well. So I was very, very excited to join thespians. And it was a big passion of mine. I had my mind set on excelling far within thespians. And somewhere around 11th grade, I got like my first boyfriend and the passion for thespians dwindled a little bit. And the passion for the boyfriend kind of grew a lot, (laughs) Um, which is, you know, it happens, whatever. But the biggest lesson I learned was senior year, or I think, I think it was at the end of junior year when we were doing the voting for the board. Mm -hmm. And I, I really wanted president. I really wanted president. And unfortunately I didn't get it. I got VP. Alex Pateri got president, which mm-hmm. is a really good friend of mine. So I was very happy for her, but really, really disappointed in myself. And the reason why was because I knew that I didn't get president because I wasn't around as much in that junior year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to forge these relationships with the younger kids that were making up the bulk of the voting. That was because my focus changed, right? My focus went from school, academic, swim team, dance classes to this boy. (laughs) And it's like, you know, it's a typical story. It happens all the time. I probably lost a few friends over, you know, the whole boyfriend thing. I, I realized in that moment when I lost to Alex and got voted VP instead, that it doesn't matter if you're really good at something or, you know, if you're really passionate about something, you have to be consistent and you have to show up. You have to show people all the time that you are reliable and that you're trustworthy and that you're capable of being consistent. 
and that you're capable of being a leader. I didn't do that in, in that moment. But since then, I have worked really, really hard to remain consistent mm. in the things that I believe are most important to me, my friends, my relationships, my job. But now I think people know me as that trustworthy person. You know, they know me as someone that they can always rely on. They know that I will always be there for them. Then that's, you know, my employers. They know that I'll jump on a project if they need me to. My friends, they know I'll be there for them no matter what, whether it's picking up something from the store and bringing it to them, or they're having a life crisis and they know that they can talk to me. There's a a big range of what consistency and commitment can help you excel in. That was one of the biggest lessons I learned. <laughs> Sometimes the lessons that we learn are some of our greatest disappointments. Yeah. Those are the best lessons. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because seeing and like trying to bring myself back to that time and like seeing that from the, the teacher perspective play out. And we do, you know, we still do the same, the same voting process every year and the kids come up and send them out of the room. And then we talk about them and vote and bring them back in. And, you know, there's that moment where I'm, I'm looking at the kid. I'm like, this is a really important moment for them for better, or for worse, but they're going to learn something in this moment, yeah. whatever it is. And we're going to let that just play out. However it works out. And be there to support them too, because their one kid gets it and the rest don't. <laughs> so yeah. that's really hard. Castlets too. Um, castlets are like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I never felt so much pressure with the castlets because I knew I would be in the ensemble. <laughs> like I never, I don't think I was ever really, I mean, I guess the audition process was not like people auditioning for specific roles. Like you would just sort of place them in the roles, mm. but I knew that I was never going to get like a singing role because you know, I knew I wasn't a great singer. So um, I was very happy to be an ensemble always. So that wasn't so much of a pressure for me, but I know that I was for, you know, the people that were going for those, the, the bigger roles. You know. So we have a good picture of adolescent Elia. So how have you changed since you've graduated from high school? Yeah, this is, this is a good question. I feel like it really forced me to think about how I have changed. Oh. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm definitely more confident in who I am. And I say that with a little note on the side where we all have, you know, room for improvement and there's still a lot of insecurity that I battle with. But right now in my life, I'm really only searching for things that bring me joy and things that make me feel at peace. And I feel like in high school, I I wasn't doing that. You know, I was trying to be really good at the things that I wanted to be really good at. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to please the people around me, you know, people pleaser, um, and not all people. Like I didn't really care about pleasing my grandparents, but I cared <laughs> about like pleasing my boyfriend and pleasing my friends, getting good grades so that my teachers thought that I was a good student, you know, all these things that in the grand scheme of things don't matter as much. You know, I'm, I'm not going to think about the grades that I got in high school. Nobody when I'm does. 60 years old or even now, I don't really care about that. Not, not to say that it's not important to try your best in, in school. I think knowing how to study and knowing how to research information and learn things is very important. And you do a bulk of that sort of like training in school. I'm less emotional now, even though I'm still very emotional. <laughs> uh, I'm less sensitive now, even though I'm still very sensitive. So I feel like at the core, 
I'm still very similar to my high school self, but just more mature and with a better understanding of life and a better understanding of just who I am and how that drives me. And I just feel like I'm a stronger person now than I was in high school. And I'm more living for myself than I am living for anything or anybody else. Brain maturity is real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, our frontal cortex isn't fully developed till we're like 25. Yeah. Make all these or, or later, by the way, because I was looking oh, at yeah. a, at an article, the study article was published and like sometimes it pushes closer to 30. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, it explains so much about the way that young people interact with the world where they make these like rash decisions or they make really big deals out of things that are very small in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things. Even having that knowledge as a child or a, as a teenager, like this isn't, I'm not like who I am yet. I'm not fully formed yet. <laughs> you know, I, I think that sort of helps ease the, um, the difficulty of growing up. There's a reactivity piece of being a teenager because you, you, it's like they feel so out of control, like most of their waking moments, mm-hmm. that it, it really activates that threat system like all the time. Some of them, their threat system's really, really high all the time. And so any little thing, it doesn't, it doesn't just bounce off. It like gets to the heart and then rah, they explode. So that's a real thing. Now we're, we're going to try and like balance. What would adult Elia tell young Elia, tumultuous Elia, (laughs) to help ease the way? Yeah, I would tell my younger self that nothing is permanent. You know, no feeling is permanent. No situation is permanent. No stage in your life. You're never going to stay somewhere stuck like that forever, which I think I thought a lot, right? Like, oh, you know, if I break up with this boy, like my my life is going to be over. Or, you know, if I don't pass this test, my life is going to be over. (laughs) I would definitely tell her that it's okay. Everything you're feeling is okay, but just know that it's not going to be that way forever. There's always going to be movement and there's always going to be growth. And you're always going to learn something new Mm -hmm. every day. That'll help you move through these things. Mm -hmm. Somebody, a psychologist likened it to a conveyor belt where the difficult feelings come in and they're there and then they go away and then something else comes in and then moves out. And I I think of that all the time when I see either in my own kids who are adolescents, well, one is kind of like moving out of adolescence (laughs) (laughs) or my students who are like right smack dab in the middle of it. I'm like, yeah and I feel like even as an adult I have to remind myself of that a lot I deal with anxiety and some depression and sometimes when you're in those moments it's it's really hard to see anything outside of that so reminding yourself that like or even having a friend remind you like this isn't it's not going to be like this for the rest of your life (laughs) you know I think it's important to keep that in the back of your head even when it's it's hard to see um, or hard to believe Yeah. And teenagers who are watching this, if you're watching this, adults feel it too. Yeah, we do all the time. (laughs) Yeah. We're just big kids. We have more developed brains than you, but we feel it too. I've been saying this a lot lately. I feel like I'm just a 16 year old. (laughs) That's 30 years old. You know what I mean? Like I, 
and I, I think everyone is this way. I think everyone is really, they say like you're a kid at heart. I really think that that's true. And I think a lot of adults go through life trying to get that adolescence back. Mm. You know, they try to feel those things for the first time again. Um, they try to have these like moments, right? Like, you know, you know, like when you get together with your friends from college or from high school or something, and you like go right back into like debauchery and everyone is always really searching for for that all that really comes down to is like finding things that bring you joy and the things that bring me joy are the same things that brought me joy when I was a high school student dancing swimming being with my friends laying out in the sun very simple things that make me feel like a kid that make me feel youthful that make me forget about the responsibility and the weight of the world and the things that I have to do. I really do think we're all just kids at heart. And I think if more people really leaned into that and understood that everyone could have a little bit of an easier way going through life. Agreed. What's something that you're grappling with now? Yeah, that's a really hard one. I feel like society has changed a lot or maybe I've changed a lot. Society has really been the same this whole time and I'm just seeing it. I think both are true. I struggle with my place in this like culture in this world that we live in. Um, I really don't subscribe to and believe a lot in what I feel is very important to people today, which is like your appearance, your online persona, the idea of success, what makes one successful. I struggle to align myself with the world. I'm really trying to figure out how I can be myself and not let those things pressure me Mm. and make me feel out of place. So that's something that I'm dealing with. And really, I think it all comes down to having a confidence in yourself and knowing that whatever path you're on, whatever you're doing in your life, that you're, you're happy with it, that you're content with who you are at the core. Once you reach that place, all these other like very loud things in your way start to quiet down and fall away. And really all that becomes at the forefront of your life are the things that bring you joy. You don't feel driven by those things. You can utilize those things as tools in your own stuff, but you're not beholden to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't necessarily have to keep up with all the trends that you know are coming out because just like your feelings and emotions, like they come and they go. They, those are not permanent either. Yeah. Social media has been re- really tough for me in the last, you know, probably seven years or so, because I've come to realize how much it impacts the culture and how much it impacts individuals. I just hope that people can see that it's it's not as important as who you are in your day-to-day life and how you treat the people around you, how you treat yourself. I think that gets lost in the shuffle of having presenting this very perfect image to society. Perfect and Mm. also extreme. Right. There's an extreme nature to what's out there because, you know, let's face it, social media is all about clicks. It's all about whose eyes are getting on it and the algorithms and all that. And so if you're not extreme in some way, you just don't get the same kind of attention. And so everybody's trying to like one up everybody else. And then, then you really lose sight of, well, who are you really that you're just up in the clouds and you're not really grounded to who you are, everything that you're talking about. Yeah. And I think the human mind was really not meant to process so much information 
all the time. Maybe in like 1990, we were processing information all the time, right? You know, we get ads here, we get, you know, books, uh, television, magazines. There's a lot, there's a lot that we're processing, but we're not constantly in a phone reading the news all day, every day, reading people's opinions about the news or reading people's opinions about other people. And I think that like stepping away from that, I think is like really, really good for everyone because then you can listen to yourself instead of listening to the voices of other people and the writings of other people. I think a lot of times people read those opinions and they read that information and they take it onto themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be kind of not great for developing character and developing a sense of self. It took me quite some time to be able to see that myself. And I still struggle with it really. Cause you know, I spent, I spent a lot of time on Twitter. I spent a lot of time on Instagram. And even when I'm in it, I'm like, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> this is just too much information. I'm like sensory, like overloaded. Like I, I need to put it down. I need to look away. It's very hard balancing it when we're kind of like addicted to it at this point. Just like any other thing, you know, that breaking an addictive, uh, an addiction is oh. hard. Hard. Like Especially that- when it's not like a physical drug that you're taking. You know, right. it's all mental. You have to think, you have to be very strong and you have to have like a fortitude, right? Like in your mind to say, I'm not going to let this affect me or I'm not going to look at it so much. And honestly, you say, you know, you're not taking me, but, but, you know, hormones are, are released every time something happens, you know, your body is constantly regulating itself and sending out whatever hormones it needs to take care of our existence. And so when we open up the phone or open up the computer and we start engaging, we are consuming that. I mean, we're consuming it through our brain, but we're still consuming it. And it's having changes in our chemical state, (laughs) which changes our emotional state and how we react to things. Yeah. And I've read actually that, you know, like the filters and the, you know, like Facetune and stuff like that, or even plastic surgery, how plastic surgery is so um, normalized now, kind of, you know, the BBL trends and all of that, that has a negative impact on the way humans see each other, because we're, we're getting so used to seeing perfection, literal perfection, that when we see someone in real life, it, it changes the way that we see that person. It changes the way that we see their, their physical characteristics, maybe not their personal characteristics, but physically it it shifts, it shifts our viewpoints in that way. And I think that's very dangerous. (laughs) Especially when you have young people who are looking at those models of perfection right? um, going, Oh my God, I'm not symmetric. I'm not completely symmetrical. What do I do? Like nothing. That's who we are. No one is completely symmetrical. (laughs) You know, the plastic surgery. Just not <laughs> normal. I feel is shifting, and I don't like that. So I'm dealing. I'm also sort of grappling with that. Yeah, <laughs> you're not the only one. And yeah. it's, it's called you're getting old, friend. <laughs> I know. When you were growing up, you know your grandparents were old to you. It's like, yeah, no, they probably felt really similar to what you're feeling right now. <laughs> and they weren't that old. So even even now, you know, I, I see my grandparents, and you know, I'm like, your guys aren't that old. You're not that old for grandparents anyway, you know, (laughs) tell me one thing that you miss about your high school Elia self and one thing that's gotten better. 
one thing I really miss mm -hmm. about just being in high school about my high school self is the lack of responsibility that I had. <laughs> like it, it's, <laughs> as a kid, it is so easy. Like your, your responsibilities are going to school, doing your homework, showing up on time for practices and rehearsals or whatever extracurriculars you have, you know, maybe cleaning around the house, you know, chores, thing, th things like that, like f family obligations. Mm -hmm. But those things, most of them, I was always very happy to do. So it didn't feel like a responsibility. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like I had this like freedom to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it and enjoy every single moment of it, you know? And I think, I think in high school, I was very keenly aware that I would never get this time back again. And I, I, I didn't want to graduate. I didn't want to grow up. I was, I was, I never wanted to grow up as a kid. I always wanted to like sort of stay a kid or like be where I am in that moment of time. And anytime I had a big change in life, like graduating from high school, I got scared. I got anxious. I was emotional. I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm not ready for college. And when I was graduating college, it was the same thing. I'm not ready for real life. I'm not ready to let this part of my life go yet. I'm not ready to move on from this. A little Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. Like I really didn't want to grow up. Yeah. I knew that I was doing these things that made me really happy, that I felt very comfortable doing, that I felt good about doing. And I, I miss going to school, you know, waking up early and doing my hair and going to school and having fun with my friends without the weight of all that responsibility that you have as an adult. Um, I felt a lot of freedom and I felt a lot of comfort in the things that I was doing. But as an adult, there's a lot that comes with having freedom from your parents or in my case, my grandparents um, and having freedom in your life. Like I can do whatever I want, whenever I want to do it now too, <laughs> you know, with, outside from the responsibilities of work and cleaning my apartment and taking care of my cat. I have a lot of flexibility. I can take trips. I can go to the local bar and play trivia if I want. There's a lot of freedom that comes with being an adult too. Being more grounded in who you are helps you understand what you want to do in these moments. Like in high school, I was, I was doing things because they were on my schedule. And yes, I was happy to do them. But now that I'm, I sort of know what I want for myself or what I'm looking for in these moments, I can do things that I truly want to do. Like this morning I went to the farmer's market and I bought myself strawberries and vegetables that I plan on cooking later. That's something that I've been planning to do the entire week. You know, the farmer's market comes on Sunday to my neighborhood and I just knew I'm going to go to the farmer's market this Sunday. I'm going to get a great piece of fish. I'm going to make myself a really good meal with really good fresh vegetables. Having that confidence, right? And like, this is what I want to be doing and I'm doing it because I want to be doing it. And you have the money to do it. And I have the money to do it. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty obvious too. Having more money sort of gives you <laughs> <laughs> to do and explore things that you really can't do as a high school student. Like, yeah, you can ask your parents for money to go to the movies or whatever, but you can't ask your parents for money to go take a 10 day trip to Italy. You know? <laughs> well, your world kind of opens up as an adult. Yeah. And I feel like, like as a high school student, you just don't know that these things are possibilities that you can take a 10 day trip to Italy. <laughs> like that may not even cross your mind. And you know, the world does kind of open up more as an adult where you see things, more things as possibilities. And I think that's, that's really great. If you could give a piece of sage advice to high school students now, what would that be? 
as a kid, I always remember hearing adults say, and even I hear now people that are older than me saying, your life hasn't even started yet. You know, you have time. Like you have time to do all these things, to figure all these things out. And yes, that's true. But what I would say is your life has already started. It's been started since you were a baby. And you're at this point in your life where you can choose to want to be out of this time in your life. And you can choose to really be hungering to get out of high school and go to college, become an adult in the real world. But enjoying the moment that you're in is so important because then you can live a life without regrets and without saying, oh, you know, I wish I was back in high school doing this, or I wish I was back in college doing that. Like, just do it. Do those things now. Lean into where you are in your life, even if it's hard, even if there's hardships that you're going through. Find those places where you are happy, where you're comfortable, where you feel the most at peace and recognize that these are the moments and in every stage of your life, not just in high school, but especially in high school, because you're never going to get that time back. You're never going to get high school back. You're never going to get college back. You're never going to get your youth back once you are 30 years old like me. <laughs> Being an adult, it comes with a certain level of maturity and you have, sort of have to carry yourself in a certain way. Whereas, you know, in high school, you have a little bit more freedom to be silly and goofy and immature, um, you know, because people don't expect you to be this adult yet. Knowing that and giving it appreciation, it'll give you fonder memories of your high school and your college experiences. That's good advice. I will be extrapolating that. <laughs> okay. So rounding this out, we are at our final question, which brings us full circle back to Elia now. Mm-hmm. And that is what are three self-care practices that you do now to help you to center or to regulate yourself? I'm a pretty simple person, I'm not saying like simple in intellect. I just really enjoy very simple things. Mm-hmm. I don't need big experiences or anything like that. Pretty simple things I do for self-care are I go on walks almost every day, mm-hmm. unless it's really hot or really cold. I like to make them long walks about four to five minutes to an hour, sometimes longer. If it's like a weekend and I have time on those walks, I, I listen to music. I sit with my thoughts. I think I do a lot of my thinking and planning in those, on those walks. And I really let myself explore what's going on in my mind, what's going on in my body, what's bothering me, what's driving me, what I want to accomplish that week or that day. And that brings me a sense of peace and like regularity. And um, it makes me feel energized and like ready to start my day or ready to go on with my day or ready to end my day. I mean, depending on what time I go on the walk. (laughs) Right now, um, I'm kind of limited in the uh, exercises that I can do because I'm like dealing with a back problem. So walking is pretty much the only thing I can do other than swimming. Swimming is a little bit harder to do more regularly, finding a pool. That's like one of the things that really makes me feel just good. Yeah, I love just going for my walks. Something else is I really like focusing on my skincare. That sounds like a little bit vain women, my age, we have so much more knowledge about, you know, how to keep our skin healthy and, you know, how to make sure that we are properly taking care of our skin. And I, I lean into that, take 
a nice 10, 15 minutes. I wash my face. I exfoliate not every day. Cause that's not good, <laughs> you know, and just applying my lotions and looking at my face in the mirror, taking a moment to be proud that I can do something to just focus on me and mm-hmm. just take care of myself. It just makes me feel good. That's something I'm very consistent with. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, and like I said, it's very simple. Um, I like buying myself flowers. Flowers bring me a lot of joy. It feels good to just like walk out to the store pick a bouquet and then like set it in your room or set it in the apartment where you can just look at it and it's like oh like those are so pretty and it makes you feel happy those are my three things those are the ones that I really love sometimes I feel like it's the simplest things that that ground us to ourselves I mean it's of course it's nice to take a 10 day trip to Italy but what comes with that you know what what you have to do in order to get to that is complicated and sometimes the complicated stuff actually creates more stress in your life. <laughs> yeah. so while I am all for traveling and that will happen in this like next chapter in my life, at least I hope that it will right now. I, I agree. Sometimes it's the simple things, the little things that like make us go, oh, okay, we are good. I think it's really easy to get caught up in a lot of complicated stuff nowadays finding very easy, simple things that make you feel good, make you feel right, you know, settled inside of yourself. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to lean into those things. And I think it really brings us to true humanity. I feel like that gets lost in in the shuffle of the world, capitalism. And, you know, we don't really get to be true humans a lot of the time because we're very caught up in all these things and, and slowing things down for just those moments, that one hour that you go for a walk, the 15 minutes that you apply your lotions, 20 minutes that it takes you to go get a bouquet of flowers. I think those are important moments. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so like honored and happy that you asked me to do this really. It's funny because there are times when I'll like, oh, you know, everybody's so busy and they're not going to have time to put this in. But I think people really like reflection. They really like looking back and having a chance to talk about their experience, especially if it means that it it can help somebody else. Knowing that someone wants to hear what you have to say, or knowing that someone wants to know about your experience, it just makes people feel good. And like that, that's what it did for me. It made me feel good to know like, oh, you know, Tara wants to know how I feel about these things. And Tara wants to ask me these questions and she wants other people to see them. It feels nice. Well, good. I'm glad that we could make you feel nice. Uh, That is my mission in life. (laughs) You're doing great. Honestly, you're my favorite teacher. (laughs) Doesn't get any better than that. So everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode 24. And next week you will see change for the better, the power of arts in education, episode 25. It's a good one. Tune in. Thank you so much. Bye, Cheryl.